I just ought to let some of you know I've been praying for you. I've been praying that something would happen in this service tonight. That you'd get rid of all that timidness. In fact, I, I think some of you, I'm, I'm about that far from believing what some of you need is to preach a while. There's about four, there's about four of you right now. I think what you really need, I think you're miserable. And I think there's a whole bunch of Holy Ghost and a whole bunch of God welled up. And I, I, I'm real tempted tonight just to pass the mic. Somebody lock the back doors. I got people fixing to run out on me already. You're so scared. You're so afraid. And there's and it's moving in there. I know it's moving in there. I can see the look on your face. I know there's something turning over in you. And every service we have, it's a little bit stronger and it's a little bit hotter. I, I wish one of these nights that everything welling up in you would just blow up and the doors and the walls would fall down. There's a wild streak in you. I know it's there. I said there's a wild fanatical streak. If you've got the Holy Ghost, there's a wild streak somewhere in there. I pray that something would blow in this place. That it would blow off the shackles of intimidation. That it would blow off the worries of what somebody else is going to say. That it would blow off the worries of being in the flesh. I've never seen anybody that didn't dance in the flesh. Don't give me that garbage that you got to be in the spirit to dance. I've yet to see anybody dance that didn't dance in the flesh. Well, we got to be careful, you. I've never seen anybody shout that didn't shout in the flesh. He said, I'm looking for a worshiper. And he said, I'm looking for worshipers that will worship me in spirit and in truth. wasn't a capital S it was a lowercase S that's out of your human spirit if you're going to get in the capital S you got to praise him in your flesh you got to praise him when it doesn't feel right you got to here that night but Mike started preaching I, I, I can't call it anything else Mike was preaching he was preaching and something hit me there, there's, there's ten more there's ten 
more men just like that in this church. And it was like something went through me like a lightning bolt that said, where's that at? Where's that been? Why are you holding that in? Why are you robbing this city? Why are you robbing God? Why are you robbing this church? Why are you robbing yourself? Why are you robbing your family? Why are you robbing your future? Let it out. Let it. If you got any fire in there, let it out. If you got any zeal in there, let it out. you right now that we could take this over the top if I could get and just three people in each section right now in the next 60 seconds that would explode into a worship that's out of your nature that's out of the ordinary that's uncomfortable that you're not used to somebody else to run. Quit waiting on somebody else to dance. Quit waiting on somebody else to shout. Be an instigator. Be a spiritual maverick. Burn a trail. just a little bit. The church it's not talking about a dead church because hell will prevail against a dead church. It's not talking about a dead saint because hell will prevail against dead saints. But if there's a church that's alive apostolic people are supposed to be alive. Apostolic churches are supposed to be alive. Where's the fire? Where's the fervor? Where's your voice? I got something to preach. Some of you don't think I can. There's, there's two different elements. There's some of you wanting me to preach because you haven't heard me preach. You don't know if I can preach. And then there's another half that says, oh, God, you don't want him to preach. And you're the ones cheering me on tonight. You think you can hold all that in that's turning and churning inside of you and it's just going to go away? All right, come on. No. It's not going to go away. It's not going to go away. Not as long as Bishop's here. Not as long as Pastor Craft's here. And sure not as long as I'm here. Because I'm praying that it start turning over faster. I'm praying it gets so out of control that it take over your, your mind and your emotions. And it take over what reason. Throw reason out the window and get a hold of reality. And reality says, from the rising of the sun until the going down of the same, the name of the Lord shall be praised.
Now, go back to your seats. You ain't ready yet. I'm going to do it. I'm telling you, I'm not going to tell you when I'm going to do it. But I'm going to do it. You better be praying and fasting. Because I'm going to do it. You hear me? I'm going to do it. Because that's what some of you need. Some of you need. Some of you need to get a hold of this mic. Not everybody in here is pulpit preachers. Not everybody is called to be in the pulpit. But there's some of you. That when your mama puts you on the altar as a boy. When you were born to this earth. You were born to hold on to a microphone. You were born to speak to the air. You were born to speak to the bones. And I'm going to do some passing. I'm just telling you right now. I'm liable to come passing up next to you while I'm preaching. You, you better be fasting and you better be on your knees and you better be on your toes because I may just hand it off. Because I want everything that's welled up in you for the last 5, 10, 15 years, I want it to come out. Because if we could ever get it to come out, it's going to set this place on fire with the Holy Ghost. There's two or three of you. If the Holy Ghost, if I could get you loose in this revival, I could pack up my bags and go to the next revival because you wouldn't need me anymore. There's some evangelists right in this bill. There's some apostle Pauls in this house that God's waiting on you to turn this city upside down. You nervous yet? Some of you just teetering out there on the edge. Pastor Christ, since he's been here, he's pushed you out from the fringe. And he's pushed you out on the edge. And you're just hanging there on the edge. My job while I'm here is to push you over. Because if I can ever get you out of the nest, you're going to realize you got wings. And it's not near as scary as the devil's convinced you it is. Am I right, Bishop? Boy, there's some people mighty much nervous. Maybe we just need to start right now. Hmm. And the church say, preach. I like meddling. Obey God. There we go. I like that better. You got your Bibles, get your Bibles, Exodus chapter 14. We're going to try, I don't know. Feel something a little different here tonight. We'll see where this gets. You want to help me pick them out, Bishop? <laughs> Praise God. Let's go to the 14th chapter of Exodus. On a serious, well, I started to say on a serious note, but I have been serious at this point. But uh, it is an honor to be here, part of this great church, this revival. God only knows where this is going to go. And, uh, I know you. I know you have people make reference to it all the time, and it, I'm, I'm not here to pump on any kind of emotions. But 
I've been having this, I've been having the same dream about the last five or six nights in a row. I couldn't tell you what I was preaching. I was preaching up a storm. I'm talking about I was ever more preaching. And I wasn't just preaching to a, a full floor, but I was preaching to a full balcony and, I, and the sides were flooded and there was people coming down the steps. I believe that's where we're going. I believe that's where we're going. And uh, as you can see, we're well on our way. We're well on our way. And uh, the miracle, that miracle is not something coming from another world, but that miracle is in this house. It's in you. And um, that's what we're trying to do by the help of the Holy Ghost is to uh, maximize that potential and unveil that potential and that power that's within each and every person of this building. Every person that's in this place tonight is an intricate and very important part of this revival. Very important part because we're no longer fishing with poles. Bishop said it the other night, but we have got to go to fishing with nets. Our mentality of fishing has got to change. And as many of you probably heard Brother Morgan say in the past, if you're going to catch multitudes, you've got to fish with a net. And that net is the diversity of gifts and ministries meshed together. And when all that comes together, the beauty of that is that you're able to reap the harvest that God has for us in the end time. And I know you really believe uh, very strongly that God has that kind of harvest for us. Exodus chapter 14. Let's begin reading verse almost, let's back it up one. Verse number 13. Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. There's some enemies that you just keep dealing with and then there comes times that God allows you to walk into a dimension of dominion where he destroys a particular enemy forever. But see, some some you'll never walk in that dominion. Some some you'll never walk in that dominion because you believe the lie that it's been like this for a long time. It's apparently going to always be like this. There come spiritual moments. There come spiritual moments where God allows things to come into our life that He opens opportune moments where He destroys enemies once and for all. Verse number fourteen. The Lord shall fight for you and you shall hold your peace. That's a message in itself. Verse 21. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea dry land and the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. You know the rest of the story. We'll come back and touch the tops of it. But I, I, I want to read verse 31. Verse 31. And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And it produced two things. 
produced two things. It caused the people to fear the Lord, and it caused them well, three things. It caused them to fear the Lord and believe the Lord and his servant, Moses. God's way of giving us dominion over our enemies is not always the way we would choose. Now, the service is swung, and I knew it was going to swing. But I'm going to minister, and I'm going to attempt to minister to some people very deeply tonight in the Holy Ghost. I'll preach to you tonight for a few moments on the subject, storms that bring the supernatural. Storms that bring the supernatural. The storms that bring the supernatural. And when I get finished tonight, I believe some of you hopefully are going to realize the thing that you have labeled a curse is not a curse. But in fact, it is God's way of destroying every provoking, agitating, hindering spirit that is against you and that is against this church. Some of you tonight came saying, Lord, let the wind be still. But hopefully when Revelation hits this building here in a few moments and the word of God begins to go forth, some of you are going to leave saying, blow, wind, blow. Blow, wind. There is a blessing in the storm. I've watched and sometimes the only way God can bring the supernatural is by the wind. By a storm. I've watched God in my personal experience, 27 years of living, I guess 17 years of really living for God and knowing anything about really what was going on, 17 years. And I've watched some of the most supernatural things that God ever done in my life came on the heels of a vicious, treacherous storm. And there's some people in this place tonight that the seas of your life have been very rocky and you have questioned you have questioned God's integrity you have questioned God's purpose and even I'll go a step further you have even gone as far to even question his existence while you clap your hands while you raise your hands and while you go through the motions of Pentecost the storm has been so severe in your life that it has caused you to even question the very existence of God I'm going to preach to you tonight. By the help of the Holy Ghost, I'm going to preach to you tonight. Would you raise your hands and ask the Lord to talk to us the next few moments of this service? Come on, lift your voice right now all over the building. I pray that you would let the spirit of revelation settle in this building. Let me speak more than words, but let, they be, let them be revelatory words. Let me speak more, God, than words, but let, they be, let them be words that penetrate, that drive, Lord, that lodge into the hearts and the minds and the spirits of these faithful people of God. I'm asking you, Jesus, to help me to tie somebody back in. 
I'm asking you, Jesus, to help me to re-anchor some faithful saint of God tonight. I pray tonight that one that's drifting, that one that's doubting your very existence and the reality of your omnipresence would you please lord in the next few moments allow me to retie them back in to the woven fabric of this church would you allow me lord to some way god have mercy i feel the holy ghost god let this place let this place let this place become a safety let there be a peace and a trust that sweeps into this house that we're able to talk as brothers and sisters here tonight for a few moments if you know god's going to help us would you clap your hands and give him praise before you're seated all over the building give him praise right now hallelujah put your voice with it mix it with your voice mix your hand clap with a shout mix your hand clap with a raised voice see what the lord won't do see what the lord won't do for you hallelujah 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 you can be seated I definitely don't want to be misunderstood in the beginning of the remarks I want to make. But I do want to make something very clear. I want to start by saying tonight that I know without a shadow of a doubt that God is still a deliverer. He is still in the delivering business. I believe that if you are in this house tonight, and you are bound by sin, drugs, alcohol, the world. I want you to understand tonight that there is a preacher that stands before you that preaches and believes and has seen firsthand and experienced in my own life that God is emphatically a deliverer. He is a deliverer. He still has the power to deliver the drug addict. He still has the power to take the desire of nicotine from the veins and the mouth of men and women and make them nauseous at the smell. Hallelujah. He is, he is still powerful. He is still God enough that he is able to take what AA says is life, a life addiction. He is able to break that addiction and he is able, he is able to give the drunkard new desires. He is able to give the drug addict new affections. Do you believe that right now? Hallelujah. But with that said, and there is time for that to be preached and I believe that and you're going to hear me preaching that a lot but I want to take just a little bit different angle I believe sometimes as people of God we so quick forget that God is not only just the deliverer of the alcoholic he is not just the deliverer of the drug addict he is not just the deliverer of the murderer or the liar but God in the very beginning when he decided to display or show off his ability to deliver it was in reference to his people 
people. His first miracle of deliverance was in reference to his people. And so what I would say to you in the beginning of this is this. Yes, God is delivering the drug addict. Yes, God is delivering the prostitute. Yes, God is delivering the alcoholic. But I want the people of God to understand that he is still in the business of delivering his people. I don't know if you're hearing me yet. Deliverance is not just for the drug addict. God has the power to deliver you even if you've already been delivered of all of those other things. God can deliver you out of the pit. God can deliver you out of depression. God can deliver you out of family problems. God can deliver you out of financial trouble. Is there anybody that believes what I'm preaching right now in this house? Somebody shout, my God is a deliverer. That's weak. Somebody shout, my God is a deliverer. His ability to his ability to deliver deliver does not diminish by the times that you need his hand to touch you. His ability to deliver does not diminish after you walk away from the altar the first time. God's attention is still on you as a child of God. God's affections are still on you as a child of God and he desires to deliver you out of that dilemma and that strait that you're living in right now. All the things about God. Hang on, I'm going to preach. Stay with me. I'm not struggling. I'm going somewhere. All the things that amaze me about God, one of the things that never ceases to amaze me is when God sets his mind to do something the extremes that he's willing to go to to do that it's amazing to me when God gets the scent of a certain person in his nostrils or the scent of somebody's prayer about a certain person in his nostrils and God turns his face towards that specific person it amazes me it is absolutely astounding to me how God the extremes that God is willing to go to and how committed God is to getting the attention of that one that he desires to deliver. I've watched him do it. He's frustrated me beyond frustration. I've preached to them hammerheads four times, five times in a revival and they'll come in and try to bind up another service and I want to go preach to those other five or six that they're the first time and I'll be if that God that I serve tells me I want you to go after him again. But God, the knuckleheads, I've preached to them four times until I've spilled my guts out on the floor and they've not moved. They're like a bump on a pickle. They look at me like a tree full of hoot owls and you want me to preach to them again. I don't understand. It's God's amazing ability to stay committed to man. And we see this. We see this from the very beginning as he refuses to take the first rebuttal of Pharaoh and just walk away from Egypt no he sends plague after plague after plague after plague in fact when the plagues don't work he says well I guess if the plagues don't work then somebody's going to have to bleed somebody's going to have to die 
And so death comes. And it finally being the last blow. And Pharaoh reluctantly releases the children of Israel. Now you've got to follow me because I'm fixing to quickly get into the meat of what I want to talk about tonight. And the Bible says that these people leave with the upper hand. They leave with victory. They leave uh, history says, some commentaries I've read said that they actually leave Egypt with more than what they got there with. And um, they, they leave victorious. They leave with joy. They leave, uh, they leave, if I could say it like this, to put it in perspective of where I want to bring this to you tonight. They left the altar feeling like there was nothing that could possibly detour or distract them from what God had just allowed to explode in their life. Left with the upper hand. Every one of us understand. Every one of us can remember uh, the naiveness that we had when we walked away the altar from the altar the first time that we received the Holy Ghost, the first time that we felt the hand and the touch of deliverance. We walked away and we felt like we could take hell on with a water pistol. We walked away and felt like there'll never be another trial, there'll never be another problem, there'll never be another heartache, there'll never be another hardship. But every one of us in this building that's lived for God any period of time understands that that is not not the case because just like Pharaoh when the devil turns loose at somebody in an apostolic altar he begins to regret turning loose of them Pharaoh decides to pursue after this nation this God nation it's funny to me that he doesn't just send a few troops but he sends the best But he's got his greatest chariots, his greatest warriors because I believe at this point Pharaoh was convinced if God will go to the extremes that he was willing to go to to deliver them, he'll go to those same extremes to protect them. Now, here's where I want to bring you to. I'm going to bring this on down where we're at right now. Pharaoh says, I believe it's 11, 12, 13, somewhere in there. The Bible says that it would be said of Pharaoh that they were going to pursue the children of Israel after they were released because that they would be entrapped or entangled in the land. Now, the first revelation of this is if we could ever understand that what Pharaoh says never matters. Do you hear me? What Pharaoh says does not hold water. Now, Pharaoh did say that we'll get them, we'll take them back, we'll recover what we've turned loose because they are entangled in the land. Now, I want to ask you a question. You know the end of the story we're talking about tonight. Did Pharaoh put his hands back on them? Were they entangled in the land forever? No. Their God that made a way out of Egypt made a way across the Red Sea. Are you with me right now? The first revelation is this. We have got to get to the place that we turn out the voices of opposition. I'm telling you, I'm telling you very specifically, I'm talking to some people very specifically in this place. You are listening to the wrong voices. You are listening to the wrong people. You are listening to the wrong spirits. You are listening to another world. God's not going to tell anybody in this building that that you're going to backslide or that you're going to that you're going to mess up and you're going to fail and you're going to turn belly up and you're going to be the laughing stock of this church God's not telling anybody in this house that you can't make it and that it's over and there's no way out of this Now, some of you sitting there acting like I don't know what I'm talking about tonight, but you've been dealing.
dealing with those voices. You've been listening to the voices that are telling you there is no way out. I cannot see the end of this. I cannot see the light at the end of this tunnel. I cannot see God's hand in this. I don't know how God can fix this. It's going to take something bigger than a miracle to get me out of this mess. Some of you are listening to voices, but they're the wrong voices. I want you to understand tonight, you cannot listen to the voice of Pharaoh. What Pharaoh says will not hold water. Now, if God's not saying that to you, then who is? Now let's 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 put a little more. Let's put another layer on it. Let's put let's put another layer on it. The devil had an opinion when it came to Job. Did it hold water? Did his opinion about what would happen and the conclusion of Job's life? Did his opinion hold water? Show me where his opinion has ever held water. The one time that he was in maybe a place where he was entitled to some kind of opinion. He had an opinion but it was a wrong opinion and it got it kicked out of heaven. His opinion has never held water. I want to ask you a question. I'm building to something. If his opinion doesn't hold water, why do you put so much stock in it? Why do you believe those lies? Brother Mark, I believe those. Yeah, you believe those lies. You walk in here. People hucking and bucking and doing a twirly bird all around you and you're just sitting there. God's reaching how many times? There's some of you. I could, I, I've been here three weeks, and I could. I, you, you, you got a target on you the size of Texas. And I'm trying to be nice because I can see bullet holes all over because because the word of God's been it, not just through me, but through these other these other men and other men of God. God's been shooting you full of holes reaching for you, trying to get you into a place where you're able to walk in victory again. And you sit there like, don't mess with me. I know who I'm talking to tonight. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know how difficult my situation is. You don't know how bad it is. Go ahead. Put stock. Put stock in an opinion that doesn't hold water. You go ahead and put your stock in an opinion that never has mattered. It not only doesn't hold water, but his opinion has never mattered anyways. I'm very comfortable. If you can't tell, I'm very comfortable right now. I'm very comfortable preaching in this church. I'm very comfortable preaching to this church because you can handle, you can handle mature preaching. I'm very comfortable right now. I want to ask, why have you put so much stock in an opinion that's never mattered? Why has somebody's opinion that's never mattered mattered so much to you? But then on the other hand, we got this right here. The ground's thundering. They see the distant cloud of dust as it swirls in the air it signifies to them that Pharaoh's coming God speaks a word to them through Moses 
I'm going to destroy these enemies. Oh, I'm fixing to preach. I feel the preacher in the house. I'm going to destroy these enemies once and for all. When I get through, when I get finished with what I'm doing, you're never going to have to deal with these knuckleheads again. You're going to be free from them forever. You'll never have to look at them again. You'll never have to smell them again. You'll never have to deal with them again. Maybe you're not interested in that kind of deliverance, but I need some of that in my life. I'm going to give you a word in the middle of your desert, in the middle of your trouble. I'm going to give you a word before you ever get to the Red Sea. I've already seen the obstacle. I've already seen what you're going to have to deal with. And I understand human tendencies. So I'm going to prepare you before you get there. You're going to deal with something that it doesn't look like you're going to be able to get over or get through. But understand, when I get finished with what I'm doing, I'm going to destroy every enemy. This is not your fight. It's my fight. Hold your peace. Hold your tongue. Now watch. Watch. Let me build what's going on. They're in a desert. It's hot. The ground's trembling beneath their feet. Their enemy that's turned them loose is pursuing. Some of you are going to be able to relate what I'm fixing to talk about. Now, on top of all this, God starts removing securities. Things they've depended on. Oh, Brother Kraft, they'd learned to lean heavily. They had learned to lean heavily on that thing. God said, you know what? I'm going to take the feeling out of it. I'm going to take your ability to see out of it. I'm going to take your ability to lean on these crutches, and I'm going to remove the crutches, and I'm going to leave you in the middle of the desert with the securities and the things you've leaned on in the past, with the enemy thundering at your back. Desert places all living in a desert place, dry. Your kids are hungry. You're weary from the journey. I'm going to take, I'm going to begin to remove these things because I don't want you becoming dependent on a cloud. I don't want you becoming dependent on an angel. It's me. Ultimately, when this is all said and done, when we get across this obstacle, when I do a supernatural thing, I want you to trust me. Not your money. You know what, I need to get off this platform. I need to get down here where I can get in your stuff. I don't want you, I don't want your money to be able to bail you out. I don't want your wit to be able to bail you out. I don't want your friends to be able to bail you out. And some of you, God has begun to remove things that you've been able to lean on in the past. No, I don't want that being such a security. I don't want you to have that to fall back on because I'm fixing to allow something supernatural to come in your life. It's going to come on the wings 
of a storm. It's going to come with a wind. You're not going to understand it when it's going on and when it's happening. But let me remove. I, 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 don't, I don't want you falling back. I don't want you to have that to fall back on. And God, there are people under the sound of my voice that God, there's been places that you've ran and people you've ran to and things that you've been able to lean on. Am I preaching to anybody in this house right now? And God says, I don't want you having that to fall back on. So he takes the angel, he takes the cloud, and he moves it. And now, not only are the securities gone, not only are they living in the desert, not only is the enemy pursuing on their trail, but now the Bible says that God, well, first, I'm getting ahead of myself. They said, why, why have you brought us out here to die? They began, brother, to put stock in the opinion of Pharaoh versus the word that God gave them before they ever got to the obstacle of the Red Sea. It is amazing. I want to know. I want to ask you a question. How many times is God going to have to prove himself to you for you to trust factual word versus your feelings? I want you to go home, and I don't care how ugly it looks and how silly it may sound. I want you to get you a yellow piece of notebook paper, and I want you to get a black magic marker. And I want you to write this on there. Real feelings. And then I want you to put a comma, and I want you to capitalize the next word, but, B-U-T. And then I want you to put false information. Real feelings, but false information. There's people in this building that are so hanging on to these feelings. And you've hung on to them so long that you've bought into them. And God's saying, what about my word? What about what I spoke to you? Am, am I in the right church? Am I, am I missing this by a thousand miles here tonight? What about my word that says I'll never leave you nor forsake you? What about my word that says no weapon formed against you shall prosper? What about my word that has stood for years not even having the ability to fail that has never returned void? What about my word that said greater is he that is within you than he that is in the world? What about my word? I know the feelings are real, but I'm telling you right now, just call up the patriarch Isaac and ask him if feelings will not fail you. It felt like Esau, and if he would have gone with what he heard versus what he felt. It sounds like one thing and it feels like another. There comes times in living for God where you got to turn off the feelings. You got to turn off the thoughts. And you got to cling to the word. Some of you, some of you need to get, you need to get in the book of Job, Psalms, and Proverbs, and you need to live there until you get through this. Because those Real feelings 
are going to pan out. And if you're not careful, it's going to make you look like a fool when it's all said and done because it's false information. Well, I feel like this or I feel like that or I feel false information. It's the words of Pharaoh. And now they're standing at this obstacle. Now I'm fixing to preach about the storm that brings the supernatural. And the Bible says that the east wind began to pick up. Now, you got to understand where they were coming from. They were coming from Egypt, which was from the west of where they were traveling. They were traveling eastward. So east wind would put the wind in their face. Are we together right now? How many drove across the desert, driven across the desert? I don't know if you've ever experienced The first time I experienced this, it was amazing. I watched in the distance as a as clear day. Sun was shining, but the wind picked up, and it would pick up a dust of a cloud of dust off the floor. I'm almost finished. Don't get nervous. I'm not going to preach an hour and a half like I did last Sunday. And the, and, and the wind picks up that cloud of dust, and it begins to blow it towards the road. And even being in the safety and the confines of a vehicle, when that wind blows that dust cloud across the road, you can literally feel the grit. You can taste the grit of the sand in your mouth. Anybody ever experienced that? Now, if you could experience that within the safety and the, the confines of a sealed vehicle, you can imagine what it must have been like totally exposed. It was nothing. Listen to me. I studied. I've done a lot of research. It is nothing. When the east wind picks up, it is nothing for the temperature within hours to jump 20 to 30 degrees. Scripturally, there are, the, the scripture has there's six or seven, eight references that talk about the potential of what the east wind has. It brings, it brings, because it comes from the desert, it brings with it the, the, the small particles of, of, of the desert floor, the gravel. I'm trying to draw this up because I want you to see where these people were at. The record days, the record days, the highest temperatures of the year were days that the east wind would blow. The temperature would go up 20 to 30 30 degrees. Within hours, it would go up. And the Bible says that when they walked to this obstacle, that Moses stretched out his rod and the wind began to blow. A storm began to brew. Are you with me right now? A storm began to brew. You can only imagine with their face headed in the direction that they were going. You can only imagine. Do you realize, I believe it's the 48th Psalm that David begins to talk about the east wind destroying the ships of Tarshish? This was a very, this wind was known to be very destructive. And these people, no shelter, no shield, nowhere to hide. With the enemy at their back, their security's gone. They're living in a desert place. Now the storm begins to brew and an east wind is blowing in their face violently without prejudice, without reserve. It's blowing violently. It's picking stuff up off the desert floor. It's chapping their face. I see them somewhere in the middle of the night, their face beginning to dry and crack and their people's faces are, are bleeding and their eyes are swollen shut from the dust that has gotten in their eyes and they're standing there. And all night long, they're dealing with a storm. All night long, they're dealing with something that they think is a curse. All night long, they're dealing with something that they think that is against them, that's going to destroy them if it has the ability to destroy the ships that sail from Tarsus. Who is to say that it won't pick these people up and blow them back to Egypt? 
only to wake up to the sun breaking the horizon and realize that the storm was not a curse, but the storm had brought the supernatural. The wind was not sent to destroy, but the wind was sent to divide the thing that blocked their journey from the altar to glory. Now, let me show something. Let me show you something about your God. If that wind had the ability to break ships apart, that wind was strong enough. Historians say, Brother Moody, that that wind, if it, when it divided those waters, that those waters were anywhere from 75 to 125 feet tall on either side. Now let me ask you a question. Let me show you something about the awesomeness of the God that you and I serve. If that wind was strong enough to divide a water with walls 75 to 125 feet tall, if that wind was strong enough to destroy ships, that wind was strong enough to pick those people up and blow them off of the face of the earth. But here's the awesomeness of my God and your God. God is able to let the storm rage strong enough to part the opposition, but refused to let his people suffer to be moved. God has the ability to let the storm rage strong enough in your life that it is able to supernaturally divide the opposition but he is powerful enough to keep you intact. Are you, are you hearing me right now? I'm not trying to rile you up because I know you're listening. I know you're not sitting on me. You're listening to what I'm saying because this is going deep into the spirits of men right now because there's people in this place that the last year, the last 24 months of your life has been a storm like you have never dealt with in your life. You cannot see the purpose of God. You cannot understand. You cannot understand how God's hand could possibly be in this. But you need to realize and recognize one thing. While the wind has blown and while many things have broken and fallen apart, you're still here. You're still here. You may be bleeding. There may be broken relationships, distrust. There may be all kinds of feelings of all different kinds of sorts and kinds. But you're still here. And what is happening in the spirit is God promised me this afternoon that he was going to begin to let the sun shine and reveal to you his purpose in allowing you to suffer through the severity of this storm. You can't see it now. But in this revival, the sun's going to come up 
and you're going to realize that the wind, it's rocked you. Slammed your family and slammed trust and slammed your mind and slammed your peace and slammed your security. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. The angels of the Lord, are uh, they're, they're ushering in this building right now. I feel them. I feel them coming through the walls of this building. I feel them coming through these. I, I feel the angels of the Lord rushing into this place right now. God is going to allow the sun to come up. And you're going to realize that the thing that you thought was a curse. The thing that you thought was serious. Was nothing more than God's way of ushering in the supernatural. They walked across on dry land. They sang a song of victory on the other side. They had real feelings. But you know the end of the story was false information. And they stood there and they watched as God closed up the opening that the storm had created. And they stood there and watched the people that had oppressed them, the spirits that had oppressed them. They said and they watched as it swallowed and drowned them before their very eyes. And they're standing on the hillside And he closes up the chapter like this. He said, not only does the storm bring the supernatural. He said, but when I send it, I intend for it to bring a greater fear and a greater trust in me and in my servant. See that man sitting right there? Stand up, Chris Craft. It happened so fast. The transition was so smooth, it was so God. This church embraced the history. Yet you embrace the future. You cherish the past, but you relished in the future. And God brought this man on the scene. And since this man's came, some of you have ended up in this place. Some of you just floating on a piece of wood. Barely surviving. The ship was shattered. It was splintered to nothing. You hear what I'm telling you right now. God did not send the storm for it to discredit authority in your mind. God sent the storm. If you will allow the storm, the storm will create a greater belief and a greater trust in the leadership that God has in 
this local assembly. I had no idea I was going to close like this, but I'm telling you, some of you, the devil's working overtime to use the storm to discredit authority. The devil's working overtime to use the storm that wrecked all of your security and your cute little world. He's trying to use that storm to tear down in your mind any kind of trust or any kind of ability to put any kind of faith in apostolic structure and authority. Some of you have said the words, I'll never be able to trust again. I'll go to church because I know going to church is right, but I'll never be able to trust again. I'll never be able to believe in a man of God again. Let me remind you of something. You need to allow the storm not to discredit authority. But you need to allow the storm that you've been through to bring a fresh belief and a fresh trust and a fresh connection with the Moses of this assembly. Bishop, am I okay? I don't say this disrespectful, but I'm going to tell some of you right now in the Holy Ghost, I don't know anything but what I'm saying. You need to take Chris Kraft off the trial. He's not on trial. If this revival is going to go where, it wants, it, where, God wants it to, where God wants it to go, if you and I are going to continue to connect like we're connecting, if this church is going to go where God wants that man to take it, you're going to have to take these people off. I don't speak to you. I don't speak to you as a, his friend, anybody's. I don't speak to you as an evangelist. I'm speaking to you right now as a prophet. Take him off trial. And better yet, all of your little cronies that are still out on the edges of trying to decide whether or not they're going to get in, you and you vocalizing your loyalty would tip them off of the fringes and cause them to take him off trial. I feel as much Holy Ghost right now as I've ever felt in my life. Some of you get real nervous when I get quiet. There's a reason I get quiet. because I want what I'm saying to sink in. I want some of you to think about it. Well, we'll wait five years. We don't have five years to wait. Some of you hadn't been anything but a storm since this man's walked into this place. And you need to wake up and smell the coffee. He's been there by your side. He's always had a timely word. He's always had a fresh word. You need to let the storm... 
cause you to recommit your loyalty to Moses. You need to talk it. It needs to be something more than you're on your feet about right now. You need to talk it. I'm telling you, I feel right, I feel right now in the Holy There's 40 people. There are 40 people on the fringes that are not even here tonight. That, that they, It's on trial. They don't know. Is, is it or is it not? Or is, but if you would walk out of here and vocalize your, vocalize your loyalty, not that he needs affirmation because he, doesn't, he, he don't need what I'm talking about right now. In fact, he'd probably rather me not do this, but I'm not doing what he wants done I'm doing what God wants done you need to open your mouth and let people know Chris Crash's the real deal he's not an old Bible school kid that evangelized for a while and come home to pastor this is God's man for this church for this hour for this season And I'm going to go ahead and say it while I'm at it. You think you can sit here and bind this church up with your opinions and your sarcasm and your list of everything you'd change if you were the pastor? Let me remind you of something. You're not the pastor and you're not God and your opinion is not going to stop this train because this train's rolling. It's glory bound. It's revival bound. It's harvest bound. I'm going to tell, Bishop, am I okay? The pride, the spiritual, healthy pride of First Pentecostal Church needs to come back. I'm telling you right now, I'm, I'm so in the Holy Ghost, it's amazing. I'm telling you, I've got a beat on this. I'm telling you, the healthy, spiritual pride of First Pentecostal Church needs to come back. That's my, bless God, that's my church. That's my pastor. Don't talk about my bishop. Don't talk about the youth pastor. Don't talk about the assistants. Don't talk. There's nothing wrong with you feeling like that this is the greatest church in America. There's nothing wrong with you feeling like that this is the most powerful church in America. That's how you ought to feel. I see it. I see it on the rise. I see a little human spirits rising up. And I'm going to go ahead and take care of your sorry spirit right now before we ever get there. Because you're not going to stop this revival. You're not going to stop this man. You're not going to stop this church. There's too much past that's against you. There's too much future that's against you. And there's too many people that are signifying by standing on their feet with their hands in the air that saying we're going forward for the cause and the sake of the kingdom. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to tell you right now. There's a, there's a, oh, you done made me mad. 
If you're going to have an opinion, why don't you be man enough to express your opinion? Why do you use people in this church and sow the seeds of mess that's in your mind and spirit from the past? That bitterness and that hatred and that junk that you allowed to get in your spirit. Why do you use good people in this church to sow that junk in their mind and get them to go around and talk about it? If you got a problem, quit, quit standing behind the wall stirring other people up. Just come forward with it. I've given you permission. The next time that person comes to you and wants to sow seeds of discord or seeds of question or seeds of the ability to lead or be a shepherd, you grab them by the hand and say, you know what? We're going to go talk to him about it. Let's go have a meeting. I'll tell you right now, it'll stop that garbage. Where's your fight at? Some of you need to bow up. I don't, I don't need to be the only one bowing up. Brother Kraft and these guys on this platform doesn't need to be the only one bowing up. You need to bow up. Not my church. Not my leadership. Not my bishop. Not my pastor. Not their family. No way. No, not over my dead body. I love this place. I love these people. And I'll fight you over it. I'll fight you over it. You'll fight over your kids and your guns and your hunt clubs and your tree stand. My God, you ought to have a little bit of loyalty about the apostolic things that God has given you. They're ganging up on me. I'm going to tell you something right now. You're sure enough going to feel like you're ganged up on with me here. I'm like, I can't stand that spirit. And there's no place for it in this church. In fact, I'll go deep and I'll grab the root of it. I don't care if this, if we're dealing with the harvest of seeds that was sown years ago. I'm not afraid to speak it and I'm not afraid to put my hands on the root of it. There's going to be apostolic authority in this pulpit. We're going to believe it like they believed it in the book of Acts. This is not a charismatic church. We're not compromising. We're not going back on everything that bishops put in us. You think Chris is going to preach a different message? You're in for a surprise because we're not preaching a different message. We still believe it takes water baptism in the name of Jesus. We still believe it takes the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Well... I don't know where he is on his holiness. Look at his wife for God's sake. But I just don't know. Look at his wife for God's sake. You want to preach, Bishop? <laughs> you got to trust again. I don't care what some Nimrod bimbo did or said or ignoramus. 
I could use a lot of other words. I'll have Bishop come up here and use them. Praise God. Brother Marks, what are you doing? I'm trying to, I'm trying to stir up an old spiritual pride. You know what I love? I'll go ahead and talk about it. I'm not afraid to talk about it. You know what I love? I can't find the people that used to go to the Brandon Church. I can't find you. I can't pick out the people that came from Brother Jeremy's. I, I can't. I've tried. I've tried, to, I've tried to find you. And you know what that lets me know? The devil's in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> and better yet I'm going to tell the ones that have come to us don't sit there and let the devil tell you you're not a part of this church you brought something to us when you came to us is that right Jackson If I could get, and I'm not, I, I'm finished. Play that thing. Bail me out. Do something. My God. Some of you saying, I wish he wouldn't have preached. I wish he'd have just kept doing what he was doing. I, it's not bad. I'm, I'm not, now, I'm, this, this is not, I'm not after bad, necessarily bad. I just, I'm after this. I'm not going to lay off this. You hear me? Where, where's the highest place I can get out? Because I want everybody to see me. Get on top of that. My God, have mercy. I've climbed on top of B3 organs and about gave pastors heart attacks. You see me? Can you see me up here? I'm not going to stop. That's it. Turn the spotlights on. I want them to see me. I'm not going to stop these people that is going. It's not, I, I, I can deal with that more than I can deal with this. But I'm coming after that right now. But there's a whole lot of this going on. I mean, I see some of you in your revival, your eyes, but that'd be, my God. I don't know about all this. Where'd you get this freak at? And you know, it's, it's just, you're, you're just real hesitant. And it's like, you're, it's like you'd run, but you're waiting on somebody to run by you and grab you by the arm and run with you. Just run. Jump in. Be a part. Get involved. Quit sitting back watching the traffic go by. Get in, get in with us. Get in the flow of what God's doing. Hurry up, get in the altar, quick, get in the altar. Just fast as you can get there, get in the altar. Come on, let's go, come on. You like that altar call, don't you? Well, that's good. I got it. I got it. 
I, fi- I figured out. I got a good analogy. I went with these guys. And I, I'm a chicken, okay? I'm scaredy cat. When, but not when it comes to spiritual things. I'll take the plunge right now. I'll ju- just as high as you want to jump, I'll jump with you. But when it comes to physical heights, hey. And I'll never forget them boys took me down to some river and they was up on this, top, this way up on this rock and there was a river down that was rushing the people going by on canoes and these idiots I was with had there was some rope tied and you had to jump way out to even get a hold of the rope and then they'd swing on that rope out over that water and they'd turn loose and I was having fun watching them but I wasn't about to get on that rope first of all I didn't think I'd get this 200 none of your business off the ground to get the rope it would have just been a free fire it's like, it's like there's a bunch of great people with great potential in this church that's watching everybody else jump. But you, you're just scared to bail off. And if you think I'm going to let it die and leave it alone, you got the wrong dude. Because when I get on something, I've got tunnel vision and I ain't going to leave it alone until it gets finished. Take the plunge. Take the plunge. It's the day God has brought us to the day that you're going to become everything he's purposed you to become. Now, I close with this on this storm stuff. As we were trying to secure Baghdad and Afghanistan and all the turmoil that was there, some of you probably heard this story. Our special forces were clued in that there was a meeting going on and that there was going to be some top dogs there of this militia terrorist group that were gathered strategically planning to play out more of their attacks and we got through intelligence we got that where we got the information where they were going to have this meeting our special forces strategically planned how to surround, approach this house, take into captivity the enemy, thwart the plan of the enemy. They were going to do it by night. They trained, you know, this is what they trained for. This is what they planned for. And that night as they geared up, all of a sudden the wind began to pick up. And they say, Brother Kraft, that when the wind gets blown over there, that it blows and that it'll create literally like sand walls, like a wall of sand. Brother Moody, they said it was, it got so bad that they had to call off the mission for that night. Disappointed, they went back to their beds, took all the gear off, went to sleep. Their leader come and woke them up the next morning as the sun broke the horizon, the storm had settled, the wind had quit blowing. He said, I want you guys to come look at something. As they were leaving camp, as they were to leave camp that night, they were going to drop off into a little low spot and walk through kind of a low area and then back up another incline to where they, the direction they were headed. The next morning when the sun came up and the wind had calmed, they walked out of their tents to see that that low spot in the desert was covered with mines. 
minds that the night before the storm had been covered. Somehow, our intelligence had missed this valley full of landmines. But the storm revealed the intent and the purpose of the enemy. Now, initially, it looked like that it called, caused a failed mission. But really, in reality, it wasn't a failed mission. It was a delayed mission at the saving of men. Are you hearing me? The wind's blowing. But you got to understand that he holds the wind in his hands. And all he has to do is go. Now either you call it off and you miss the supernatural. You miss the removal of an obstacle. You miss finding a new trust in leadership and a new trust in God or you say God I'm doing all I can to face this headwind it's dry you're jerking securities away from me you're jerking crutches out from underneath me I feel like a blind man a thirsty blind man groping through a wilderness But if there's a purpose in your wind, blow wind. Blow. Some of you are realizing right now, standing in this altar, if the wind hadn't blown, you wouldn't have been sewn into the intricate part of the fabric and the makeup of this church. There's a blessing in the storm. The storm always brings something supernatural. I'm going to tell them, Bishop, I, I, there's a man that's used prophetically. You don't know him. Very few people know him. The guy's... I don't know. I'm telling you. He's so specific. He's scared. He don't know this church. Three years ago. what Man, what's that been? Three and a half years ago? He didn't know this church. He didn't know where I was at. He didn't know my connection to him. I had no connections here. He wasn't. Brother Chris Craft wasn't here yet. I didn't know Brother Tommy Craft three and a half years ago. It, was, it looked like they're preaching Jackson. Y'all right. The greatest preachers in Pentecost preaching Jackson. Do we understand enough, each other enough that, you know, I'm not trying to bring light to me. I'm just trying to show you something, okay? He didn't know, he didn't know I knew him. He didn't know my connections to him. He knew nothing. Totally blind. I, I was involved in a situation where my wife and I were brutally wounded. 